Axis Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas Bank here. I'm Dan Mac. On today's show, Facebook and Google consider new political ad rules and big money for former Uber CEO Travis Kalanick. But first, the fight over TikTok. So earlier this week, Congress held a hearing titled How Corporations and Big Tech Leave Our Data Exposed to Criminals, China, and Other Bad Actors, otherwise known as Cabtlodecoba. Anyway, the whole thing really devolved into a slam session on TikTok, the short-form video app used mostly by kids, teens, and millennials to post videos of themselves lip-syncing to their favorite songs. TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance, and there are two big fears. First, that the Chinese government could be collecting all sorts of data on America's children. Two, that TikTok is censoring certain content at the direction of Beijing. Now, TikTok itself didn't show up at the hearing, but in a blog post, denied both charges. When it came to data, it said that its information is stored on U.S. servers and that it isn't shared with the parent company, let alone with the government. On content, TikTok seems to admit that it may have once blocked politically sensitive stuff, but that those were in the early growing pain stages of the company, and now it's taken steps to make U.S. content moderators independent from content moderators elsewhere. And for what it's worth, BuzzFeed recently found that TikToks of Hong Kong protests went up and stayed up. Why it matters is that all of this plays into a broader political blowback against the power of big tech, but this time using China as a cudgel. The outcome could impact the future of tech innovation, access, and privacy. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. But first, this. This episode is brought to you by Silicon Valley Bank. Know everything about coding, but not so much about banking? For more than 35 years, Silicon Valley Bank has been helping high-growth companies navigate through each stage of the startup journey. Stay tuned to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. We're joined now by Marsha Blackburn, Republican senator from Tennessee. On Tuesday, you sent a letter to TikTok CEO asking for a bunch of information on their user demographics, revenue from American consumers, and some third-party data sharing practices. Have you heard anything back yet, either from the CEO or maybe from another representative for the company? Yes, they did respond to us last night. And so we will look forward to having detail. And actually, I would like to visit with them because I'm tremendously concerned about what they are doing. You know, when you look at the way they are collecting this information and the way they are sharing user data and information, this is something that should trouble every parent who has a child who is using this app. You know, TikTok is appearing to be China's best detective with how they are going about collecting and using this information. It seems like what they're doing is taking this app, which is masked as being fun or a game or a toy, and they're using it as a magnifying lens into the lives of children that are on this app. The company says that the data, the data collects on U.S. users, children or adults, is all stored physically inside of the U.S., and it's not shared with China. Do you have evidence to the contrary? know is that this is a Beijing-based company, and it doesn't matter where you store the data. It is the fact that you have this data, and you admit that you are storing the data, and you are keeping the data, thing that should be very troubling, and parents should pay attention to this. I've looked at the app. I've seen the videos. I understand why this can be appealing. 
to children, but I just think we cannot let novelty blind us on this. As a parent of a child who keeps asking me to use TikTok and I haven't let her yet, I understand the idea that it is kind of creepy to have any organization, whether it be a big company or whether it be a state actor like China, have some basic, uh, maybe geographic, demographic data on kids or American children. But why, from your perspective, is it a bigger problem if it is, and, and again, they say it's not, but that if the Chinese government you know, knows that my kid is lip syncing to a Taylor Swift song as opposed to Google knowing it? one of the things to realize, and you just touched on it, these Chinese companies are state-owned companies, and China can come in and request this information. The country can come in and they can request this information, and then what does that company do? They are going to turn that data why do we care about this sort of data? Again, I, I get why it's creepy, but from a national security standpoint, because there's been some talk as national security, if Beijing knows the, the, the musician my kid happens to like more than another musician, from a national security perspective, why do we care? That should concern any of us. If they know that, then what else do they know about your child? What other spyware have they embedded into that child's device? Do you have evidence that ByteDance has been installing spyware vis-a-vis -vis TikTok? We know that there are other Chinese companies that, you know, look at Huawei and what they embed into, into their hardware. We can examine the code on this, and I don't know the answer to this, but have you guys as staff or, or had others examine the code, dig into it to find out if there is indeed spyware being installed on iPhones or tablets, et cetera, vis-a-vis -vis TikTok? What we have done is to look at the utilization on this, and we have some questions that we want an answer, and it will help us to have a better understanding of what they are doing and how they are using the information from this. We'd like to know how many American children under the age of 18 are using TikTok. We'd love to see this broken down by age group. How much revenue are they getting from American customers as they are purchasing this? And, and what percentage of that revenue is coming from children that are under 18? And what we also would like to know is what efforts they are making to require parental consent for minors to use this app. And the reason this is important and the reason there are safeguards is even if something hasn't happened yet, we need to make certain that it is not going to happen in the future. TikTok was formed, the way we now know TikTok, was created basically through a merger. Chinese company ByteDance bought a Silicon Valley-based company called Musical.ly back in late 2017. Right. And there's, there's been talk now that Cifius is now reviewing that, but it's two years later. From your perspective, did the administration drop the ball in 2017, not investigating the deal at the time and possibly blocking it then? I think that what you have is as an app becomes more popular and there is more awareness of it and as people realize the invasion into their privacy that is taking place with the utilization of some of these apps and the way data storage is happening, the lack of data security that exists. And I will tell you this too, this is one of the reasons people continue to say to us, look, we need some online privacy rules. 
for consumers. We don't have a privacy standard that is, and it's one of the reasons I've done the Browser Act. So as you look at it, Senator Rubio is looking at it from a national security point of view with CFIUS going in and reviewing the Musical.ly app that is in that acquisition. I think that is something to do. You do not know what China is doing with this information if they are continuing to capture and store this information. You do not know how they are data mining it. Senator, final question for you, vis-a-vis whether it be the Browser Act or some other piece of kind of user privacy legislation, there is a perception, at least that come the stroke of midnight on December 31st, that, that Congress, whether it be the Senate or the House, legislatively really won't be able to get anything done next year because it is a presidential election year. Do you have any reason to believe that's wrong when it comes to privacy, that we could before next November see an actual comprehensive technology privacy bill passed? And signed. Yes, I do, because consumers are beginning to demand it, especially moms. Women want to see some kind of guidelines put in statute, and the Browser Act is a good starting point for basic privacy standards. You opt in. If you want to share sensitive data, you reserve the right to opt out. If you do not want the app to share your non-sensitive data like browsing history, then you have one set of rules for the entire internet ecosystem and it allows consumers to control their virtual you. It allows them to make certain that they own their data online. And consumers are becoming much more aware of what is happening, not only to them, but to their children, as these apps are retaining this information and then building a profile of this individual and then following them from one app or one service to another. We want to make certain that each and every American citizen has the ability to own their virtual you. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you. Thank you. My final two right after this. Earlier, we highlighted Silicon Valley Bank's experience with helping startups. But with Silicon Valley Bank, you're also getting a partner committed to supporting you as you strive to hit your next milestones. Perhaps that's why 50% of VC-backed tech and life science companies choose Silicon Valley Bank. Visit svb.com forward slash next to learn more. Silicon Valley Bank. Ideas. Bank here. Now it's time for my final two. And first up are Facebook and Google continuing to deal with the fallout over their refusals to police political advertising, something that was stoked even hotter last week by Twitter's decision to ban political ads altogether. Axios' Sarah Fisher reports that while neither Facebook nor Google are planning to follow Twitter's lead, they are actively weighing policy changes that could be viewed as sort of compromises between those who think everything should be fair game and those who don't understand why the platforms won't let Coke lie about Pepsi, but is fine with Ken candidate A lying about candidate B. One such compromise might be to limit micro-targeting, whereby candidates can slice up audience by demographics. Another could be to disclose much more information about the specific advertiser, particularly if it's a pack or dark money sort of group. And finally this morning, more than two years after being ousted as CEO of Uber, Travis Kalanick reportedly has raised $400 million from the government of Saudi Arabia for his new startup. Three things to know. First, the new startup is called Cloud Kitchens, which relates to a growing business whereby a centralized kitchen can make meals on the menus of multiple restaurants and then send them out for delivery. For example, imagine you love Applebee's. 
I know, just imagine it for a second, but there isn't one within 15 miles. A closer cloud kitchen, maybe one a few miles from you, could make that riblet platter for you and then send it over. Number two, sources say that no one has quite reported correctly what Kalanick is actually up to, and he hasn't done any interviews on it, so there's still a big TBD there. And three, Kalanick is no stranger to Saudi Arabia or to its money. The Saudis are Uber's fifth largest outside shareholder via a deal signed while he was still in charge. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Jesse Lee, have a great national Men Make Dinner Day, or as it's known in my house, Thursday. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Pro Rata podcast.